This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast, Al Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550, Bill Sideline Reporter, Matt Bove, Channel 7, WKBW-TV in Buffalo, Sports Director. Long weekend, Matt. We got to get used to these again. I mean, it was a Saturday game. They had practice on Sunday, but it's football season. This is how we live our lives. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Fire me right up. I'm so happy to be back talking about actual football games. And I know we're like air quoting preseason games and you've always got your people who are like, it's not really a game. Well, you know how many people watched this game on Saturday? You know how many people watch preseason football? How many people bet on preseason football? Seriously, people are into it. I'm excited to be back. And I know fans are excited to actually be talking about what happened on the field in a game as opposed to just to practice. There's even like daily fantasy preseason for like fantasy football. It's crazy. Oh yeah. I was talking to a couple of my friends who were very invested in Saturday's (laughs) four o'clock bills versus Colts game. Did they win? Yeah. Matt Barkley over 107.5 yards, baby. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. What did he have? I have to look at the stats again. He has, well, I got it right in front of me. Hold on. I'll look, but he had a lot. He had 224. Yeah. He had 224. Okay. Yeah. Think about how ridiculous that that is. 224 in a preseason game. He only played half. Yeah, I mean, totally crushed it. And look, we're going to go through some of these things that happened on Saturday uh, as we talk about, you know, what the preseason has looked like and will look like going forward the next two games. Uh, We'll also kind of break down, get into some of the questions that you've had out there. Matt tweeted out some questions. You've responded. We appreciate that. Some really good questions I saw in there, Matt. So we'll do that as well. And what it means for the Buffalo Bills as they get closer to really kind of, you know, camp cutdowns. We got a few guys were already released by the t- as the time we you know broadcast this and uh, record this they have to i think they might have to get to one more at the time we do this cuz they have to get down to 85 but either way then it's down to 80 next week Matt and then it's down to 53 and there's some major discussions and decisions coming on this roster There are. And I think those conversations have honestly become more complicated, even from the time where we were talking about going into the first preseason game and then coming out of the first preseason game. Because I think some of the players who were maybe on the right side of the bubble, they didn't have their best performances. And then some of those players who were maybe on the outside looking in, they really did impress. And now it makes you wonder what the Bills are going to do, because it is going to be really tough to make this 53. And that's ultimately just speaks to one, how good the Bills are, and two, how deep they're roster is all right so matt let's start it off with the uh, big win and, and obviously it was uh, when i say big win i mean a win for the bills to get to nine in a row in a preseason it doesn't really count what was the the quote london fletcher said something that john murphy kept referencing in our radio broadcast london fletcher once said preseason doesn't count but it matters if that makes sense to people 
I always go back to, and it's one of those things that gets thrown around a lot. And I know people will roll their eyes when they hear me say it, but like winners win, you know, the bills, they've, they, they win and that's what they've become these last couple of years. So yeah, these games don't mean anything to them. And for a lot of people, they probably didn't care if they won the game or they lost the game, but teams that win always find a way to win. And that goes back to their whole find a way mindset. So do I think it's, you know, a huge deal that they won? No. Do I think it matters a little bit? Because I think that, you know, when you can find those ways to win in games now, maybe you learn something along the way and it translates down the road. 27-24, Bills get the victory over the Colts. When they're ninth in a row, the Bills, they were down big. They were down 24-10. to 10. They come up with 17 points in a 10-minute span, essentially, in the fourth quarter. Another big comeback. They've now had comebacks every year over the last several in preseason. They had a game-winning kick here by Tyler Bass, a game-winning kick last year, the preseason by Tyler Bass over the Lions. That huge comeback against the Bears, we all remember. It started off the streak, believe it or not. That was the first win. And then another one, Tyree Jackson, a big comeback win over the Vikings that they scored three touchdowns in the last like five minutes of the game or something like that, which was wild. This team keeps coming back in the preseason. They give us a lot more to talk about than just the roster spots because of that. But let's get into the roster spots. Let's go big picture. What's the number one storyline for you coming out of this game? When you think about the team, the roster spots, the decisions that have to be made, performances, whatever it is. I was impressed with the rookies. And I'll say that as like kind of an umbrella term because we're Mm -hmm. covering a lot of different positions here. But Kyrie Lim is going to get the most, you know, people talking about him just because of where he was drafted. I thought he did a commendable job. I don't think he was great. I don't think he was terrible. I think he did what you wanted him to do, which was hold his own, not make any major mistakes. He took one pass interference penalty, but he also had the pass breakup. He had a really nice play on a move where, you know, the ride receiver was running across the field and he was upset at himself because he gave up like a two yard gain, but he immediately took him down. He thought he should have had another pass breakup. So I liked him. James Cook, we're just going to kind of say that's like null and void. He didn't really do anything that impressed me. He also didn't do anything that has me concerned. Terrell Bernard, I thought was really good. He of course has the scoop and score for the touchdown. I think that's a big play. Khalil Shakir, fantastic. Maybe their best offensive player. And then you get to the other guys like Christian Benford, really strong. I know they were talking about him on the Bills broadcast on WIVB. They were talking about Cynthia Freeland was like getting messages from general managers. Is this guy going to make the roster? Because clearly other people were impressed by him. And then even like Balin Specter, like he was great too. Oh, and I forgot Matt Ariza. <laughs> you know, like we just went, literally went down the list of like almost every rookie they selected and almost all of them did something that was impressive in that game. Christian Benford. There's been a lot of talk about him with against Kyrie Elam in that competition. And they both got a chance to play. Did it mean anything to you that Dane Jackson didn't play that? Like, if you read any, anything into that, it reads to me that as of right now, he is cornerback too. Mm-hmm. If Tredavious White is healthy, he will be the other guy starting at least right off the bat. That's what it reads to me. Elam will have a chance, I think, to ultimately leapfrog him just because when you use a first-round pick, you want that guy in the field. You want that guy getting reps. But I think if the season were to start tomorrow with a healthy Tredavious White, they would roll out Trey White and Dan Jackson as their one-two for starting quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, we know that rookies play in the preseason. That's their philosophy, whether or not they're starters. And you have to see what they do in a game situation. I mean, this is the first time any of those guys, regardless of draft pick status, have ever had a chance to play in an NFL game in any setting. So the Bills are obviously going to want to see how they perform in that setting. I want to go right to, well, Shakir obviously is making the team. He's a, he's a, a draft pick of theirs. He's a good player. He's going to help. He might even be the number one punt returner when it's all said and done. He did field a couple of punts, including the uh, first punt return for the team. It's beyond that. 
that I really am starting to have some interesting questions, which are basically, can Isaiah Hodgins make the team now? And if he does, does he take the spot of Jake Kumaro? I think that's starting to trend that way for me, Matt, which is to me, it seems like Isaiah Hodgins, if let's, if he can handle special teams duties, and I'm not saying do everything Jake Kumaro did, but handle enough competently. I think he may replace Jake Kumaro on the roster. I don't know if there's room for both of them. Well, it feels like they're kind of trending in opposite directions because right. Hodgins is definitely ascending. He had an outstanding game, especially in the second half. He kind of sparked the Bills back into that game with the sideline catch from Barkley that led to, I think, their second touchdown of the game, and then they ultimately go on and they win. So he had a great game. And then Kumaro, he makes the catch. He runs out the middle. Then it causes the fumble. It pops up in the air. That's just the stuff that you can't see happen. It's not like Kumaro was a complete roster lock. I still think they really like Kumaro, and I still think there's a chance that he makes the team. The thing that I keep thinking about is, do they keep six or seven? Right. Because if they keep seven, they can both make the team, and then we're just not going to see, like, Marcus Stevenson, you know, he had his surgery, push him off to the side. Um, Tavon Austin, like, I don't see a path for Tavon Austin to make this team at this point. Same thing with Tanner Gentry. He's like the perfect practice squad wide receiver that I think they're basically, that's what their plan is for him. So if they keep six, I think right now Hodgins has a small advantage. If they keep seven, then I think they both make it. Okay. So are you firmly in Jameson Crowder is making this roster? I am just because of the way his contract is set up. I just don't see really the benefit in them moving on from him at this point. I agree. I think also, even though he did have a play that I'm sure he would like back and he tipped the ball up into the air that he probably should have caught that became an interception. He's put enough into this league. They've played against him enough. They know enough about him where I think they believe he can really be a benefit to this team. So I think Jamison Crowder's on the team. So there's your five Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder, Shakir. And then it comes down to, like we said, is it going to be six? And is that, Kumaro or Hodgins at number six with Stevenson most likely on the shelf in one way, shape or form, or is it seven? And then maybe both of them do, but both of us, I agree with you. See right now, Tavon Austin on the outside looking in because I mean, he just, he has, he hasn't even practiced right lately. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not even available and that's a big deal with the bills. Plus I'll just say if, if Shakir can be the punt returner, do you need Tavon Austin? I mean, you'd like to have an Austin or a Stevenson for the speed element, Matt, but I mean, I don't know how much you're keeping a guy like that on the roster just for a couple times to run down the field to, to because they're not going to get a lot of snaps. I wonder if when everybody is healthy, if during the season, James Cook is the kick returner and if Micah Hyde is the punt returner just because mm. they trust him so much. So I wouldn't rule that out completely. I think they would probably give Shakir kind of like the first crack at it just because Micah Hyde is so important to the defense yep. and they don't want to risk something there. But Micah Hyde is also a capable punt returner. We saw him take, you know, a couple nice returns last year. So I think that they have options. I almost don't think this team needs to account for one specific returner as like a specialty position. Like, I don't think there's anybody who's like an Andre Roberts that's like got to make the team just for the strictly return aspect of it. I think if they had somebody like that, then there would be a spot for them. But I just don't see anybody kind of in that role. Let's stay on the offense for a second. I want to congratulate you. I want to give you a clap right here. Congratulations, Matt Bove. I'll also give a little, myself a little pat on the back as well. Not as much as you, because you were the first one to say it, but I also agreed and said it later on. And that is about Zach Moss and how I think he really started to show up and 
I remember you on this podcast telling people like, Hey, I think that, I think the way you put it, I asked you a question about something that surprised you. And he said, he's better than I thought he'd be. He's probably going to make this team. I agree. And look at the game he had. He looks fresh and he looks healthy. I think that ankle injury and subsequent surgery from the 2020 playoffs into the 21 season really impacted him last year. And now it looks like he's completely over that. I just think that he gives them something that their other options don't. And given the resources they use to take him in the draft and his contract, it's kind of a no brainer for him to make the team. And I know Blackshear got a bunch of buzz in the game and everybody's like, Ooh, look at that guy. But that's just kind of what happens with preseason running backs, especially when they're going against third and fourth string people on defense. I think Zach Moss is going to play a bigger role on this team than some people expect. I don't think he's like going to be, a target monster or he's going to get a ton of carries or anything like that. But I think from what we've seen up to this point in the summer and what we've heard him say about those lingering injuries that they have, there are three running backs that will be on offense will be Singletary, Moss, and Cook. I don't know how they're going to spread out those carries. I don't know how they're going to spread out those touches. And I'm assuming that Taiwan Jones makes the team because he didn't even play in the preseason game. And to me, that says, like, okay, dude, you're (laughs) safe. You're a specialist. Like, you're one of our main special teams guys. So I think those are going to be the four running backs they keep. And I think some people will be surprised at how much run Moss does get this year because, keep in mind, one more year with him than Singletary. You know what I mean? Like Singletary's yeah. contract is yep. done. So maybe their left. contingency plan is Cook and Moss as 1A and 1B next year. as a, And then you don't hand out big money to Singletary or whatever the money it would take to keep him. Yeah, I, I like that thought. And maybe that's what they're thinking long term. But certainly in the short term, I think... Zach Moss has much a much better and firm future on this team than a lot of people thought he would going into training camp. Maybe us included, but we've been saying it since training camp started that he's getting opportunity and he looks good. And then he showed it, especially that cutback run for 27 yards, and that he does have a little bit of speed to go along with what we know he ha- he brings as far as a power game. Let's just do one more on the offense here from me. Okay, what does it say to you, if anything? I've been thinking about this that O.J. Howard was still playing in the game in the fourth quarter. Him, Tommy Sweeney, and Quentin Morris basically all had the exact same number of snaps, 23, 23, and 22, respectively, and they were also playing in the fourth quarter. I think he makes the team. I just think it shows that he's closer to those guys than he is to Dawson Knox. And when they signed him, the hope was that he could really be like a bona fide, legit number two tight end that would scare opposing defenses. And just from everything that I've read and everything that I've seen at training camp, it feels like he is a different version of OJ Howard since he got hurt and he's just not as fast as he once was. And that doesn't let him be as physical as he once was. So I still think that there's a spot on this team for him. I think that they're going to keep three tight ends. And right now I would guess that it's Knox, him, Howard, and probably Tommy Sweeney, even though Morris had the nice catch. I just think that to me, it says he's closer to those guys than he is to like, you know, a bona fide, legit number one tight end. All right. Can I um, throw this at you? If they were to release OJ Howard, they would save two and a half million dollars on the salary cap and eat only about 600,000 dead money. Is it possible? Do you see any scenario where that has to come into play? Because Brandon Bean said on WGR, hey, right now, if we go top 53, you know, once the season starts, we're probably over the cap. So we're going to have to make some moves. Does that matter to you? In fact, could you see a scenario where it's, Knox, Sweeney, and Morris as the three tight ends. 
Yeah, I mean, I can see a scenario where it happens. I don't think it's going to happen, but if they are up to the cap or if they want to go sign another player and they need that money for somebody, cough, cough, Odell Beckham or Joe (laughs) Hayden, then maybe that's what they do because you can't have it all. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So if they need to create a little bit of space, they need to open up some money, then maybe that's when they go with the more inexperience of Morris and Sweeney. But I still don't think that happens. I think that they want somebody who's played snaps in this league and who they trust maybe a little bit more than those other guys. And even though Howard has been underwhelming up to this point, I still think he's got a spot on the 53. Um, The offensive line was tough to judge. A lot of patchwork there. I think we can get more into them when we see a little bit more of what that looks like. A lot of guys not playing some injuries up there as well. Plus, we need to get to the defensive special teams. You want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. All right, you go ahead.